You're listening to Shortwave from NPR. Hey, Shortwavers, Regina Barber here. And this time I've brought Viet Le from behind the scenes to report with me. Hey, Viet. Hey, Gina. And Viet for our regular roundup of science news. The one, the only, Juana Summers is here. Hello. Thanks for having me back. Great to have you back. As always, we're going to share three science stories in the news that have caught our attention recently. A study about the lack of biodiversity in emojis. Okay, but you know I do love a good penguin emoji. Now I know. Me too. Uh, A group of fancy parrots that learn to dunk their food before they eat it. And a hole in the sun that's the size of 60 Earths. All that on this episode of Shortwave, the science podcast from NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Teladoc Health. There are lots of reasons for wanting to be healthy. Family, work, living a fuller life. Teladoc Health understands. Whether you have diabetes, high blood pressure, or just need to manage your weight, Teladoc Health can help. Visit TeladocHealth.com slash What's Your Why for more information. That's T-E-L-A-D-O-C Health slash What's Your Why. This message comes from EarthX. The EarthX 2024 Environmental and Sustainability Congress of Conferences is happening in April and brings together all sides with one important mission, protect the planet. Go to earthx.org to register. This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive, and it's Name Your Price Tool. Say how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show coverage options within your budget. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Juana, you're the guest. What topic do you want to start with? I mean, you can't leave me hanging. Please tell me about this massive hole in the sun. Yeah, so this is pretty big. Like we said, it's longer than 60 Earths, but it's funny. You can't see it with your naked eye. You should not do that. Please do not look at the sun. Don't look at the sun. <laughs> right, correct. Don't. Please don't. Uh, and even with a special solar telescope or those solar glasses people wear during a solar eclipse, you actually wouldn't see this hole. Yeah, because this corona hole, that's the technical name, is visible in the extreme ultraviolet and some X-ray parts of the light spectrum. And that part of the light spectrum, it shows up as a big, dark area. Okay, this is kind of scaring me, but you both seem really calm. Is this normal? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, these coronal holes do happen like a fair amount, and they can sometimes cause problems for us because of how they interact with solar winds. So solar winds are made up of magnetic fields and charged particles that come off the sun's corona, and solar winds are being constantly emitted from the sun. And they're less contained at these coronal holes um, because these coronal holes are less dense and the magnetic field is like weaker there. So in the area of these coronal holes where the magnetic field is weaker, the solar winds can escape at much higher speeds. These winds can give Earth its beautiful auroras, but can also disrupt satellite communications if they are intense. Interrupt satellites. Y'all, I am concerned again. Please help. <laughs> well, don't be worried about this one. This one's not going to do very much. I talked to uh, Lisa Upton about this. She's a solar physicist at Southwest Research Institute. And she says that if you kind of relate the solar wind to kind of rain on Earth, then this hole just makes that rain a little bit more intense. It's more like you know a, a heavier downpour of rain than, for instance, a, a hurricane. A, a coronal uh, mass ejection where you're sending a lot of mass and particles at the Earth. Also, the sun is being constantly monitored by an orbiting solar observatory, just in case there is something that would be actually worrisome. Uh, and for those out there who want to look at this hole, check out the website for NASA's Solar Dynamics Observatory. 
So, like, all in all, this is like a flashy headline that maybe some people have seen, but it doesn't really affect your everyday life. Okay, that is good to know. So this next story, it's about parrots who like to dunk their food before they eat it. Right. So we're talking specifically about Goffin's cockatoos. They are these white colored parrots. And in the wild, you can find them in places like Indonesia and Singapore. But the ones in this study live in an aviary at the Meserly Research Institute in Austria. Yeah, I spoke with Jürgen Zewald, a co-author on this new paper in the journal Biology Letters. Uh, and he says one day in the lab, they saw a cockatoo take its food, mostly rusk, which is this really hard, dry toast, and dunk it in the water before eating it, something they hadn't seen before. We saw it in one individual and we're like, oh, that, that's interesting. Is this accidental or, well, let's keep an eye on it. And like not even five minutes later, we saw another one doing it as well. And then a third. So they decided to start watching the birds for this, like, food dunking behavior. And by the end of the observation period, seven of the 18 had dunked. So I take it then that food dunking is unusual in birds? Well, actually, food dunking has been observed in other bird species. If you have a pet parrot at home, you actually may have seen them dunk their food. But we also don't really know why these cockatoos are doing it. So that's what the study was in part trying to figure out. Well, I don't have a pet bird at home, but I do know that there are some people out there who like to dunk their chocolate chip cookies in milk because they think it's tastier. (laughs) I don't agree, but okay. (laughs) Do cockatoos do this because they think it's yummier? Sadly, they ruled it out because the cockatoos are using fresh water to dunk, so it really wouldn't affect the taste. Our researchers believe the more likely reason, and this is maybe not a total surprise, dunking softens the food. Uh, But Zaywald says they're still not sure uh, if it's to improve the texture of the food, to help them digest it, or maybe both. Still, he says this is an exciting result because only some of the cockatoos did this, and we haven't seen this behavior in this species in the wild. The researchers write they believe this food dunking is a spontaneous foraging innovation by one or more of their cockatoos. Those sound like some smart birds. (laughs) Okay, finally, our last topic, the lack of biodiversity in our emojis. Yes. Juana, I'm not sure if you're a big emoji user. Well, my group chat certainly is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, next time you think to use an emoji, take a close look at your animal and nature emoji options because... A team of conservation biologists from Italy did just that, and they found that emoji are unrepresentative of the actual biodiversity that exists in nature. So, for instance, a lot of cat and dog emojis (laughs) for fungi, though, uh, and there are a lot of species of fungus out there in the world, you have one emoji. Sad face emoji. How'd they figure this out? Yeah, so this was written all up in a study that came out this week in the journal iScience. And the researchers went to Emojipedia, an emoji reference site, and categorized all the emojis that are related to nature and animals. And they identified things like 92 animals, 16 plants, and one fungus. And when you compare these numbers to the proportion of species scientists have actually identified, they found that while animals are well represented in the emoji catalog, plants, fungi, and microorganisms were underrepresented. So what I'm hearing is one mushroom emoji is perhaps not enough. Well, according to these researchers, it's not enough. And looking at just the animal emojis, about 75% represented vertebrates, so animals with backbones. A much smaller percentage of these animal emojis were arthropods, which include insects and crustaceans. But in the real world, the actual proportions are the other way around. Uh, There are over a million known species of arthropod, whereas known species of vertebrate are somewhere in the tens of thousands. Okay, all jokes aside here, (laughs) does it really matter if I only have one fungus emoji to text all my friends? 
Well, I mean, this study argues that a more representative set of nature and animal emojis could be a powerful tool for raising awareness and communicating about biodiversity, especially if you're trying to reach diverse audiences. Although I and perhaps others may be a little overwhelmed by all of that and just stick to my thumbs up and smiley face emojis. And me? Uh, We'll stick with my penguins. (laughs) (laughs) Juana, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Happy to do it. You can also catch Juana on Consider This, NPR's afternoon news podcast. Before we head out, we want to take a minute to say thank you so much to our Shortwave Plus supporters and anyone listening who donates to public media. After all, public media by definition means that you, the public, support it. Everything you hear from the NPR network really does depend on your contributions. And for anyone listening who isn't a supporter yet, right now, this is a great time to get actively involved in creating a more informed public. That's our whole mission at NPR. That's why we're here. And if you like Perk, Shortwave Plus offers sponsor-free listening. Or if you just want to make a tax-deductible donation to your favorite station or stations in the NPR network, that's great, too. We've even had NPR Plus subscribers make additional contributions. What really matters is that you are part of the community that makes this work possible. Your donation now funds the news and podcasts that expand your horizons, connect you to exciting ideas and people, and inspire you every day. Please give today at donate.npr.org shortwave or explore NPR Plus at plus.npr.org. This episode was produced by Chloe Weiner and Vincent Acavino. It was edited by Catherine Fox and our showrunner, Rebecca Ramirez. Britt Hansen checked the facts and the audio engineers were Robert Rodriguez and Maggie Luthar. I'm Regina Barber. And I'm Viet Le. Thank you for listening to Shortwave from NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from Bombas. Bombas makes absurdly soft socks, underwear, and t-shirts. And for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com NPR and use code NPR. At this year's Oscars, Oppenheimer took home the award for Best Picture, Emma Stone and Robert Downey Jr. also picked up wins, and Ryan Gosling brought the Kennergy. For a recap of all the highlights, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR.